1: And thanks for joining us here on Plum Business, here on CannabisRadio.com, presented by USCCExpo.com. This week, we're speaking with an accomplished business attorney, and I don't take those words lightly. She has been in the cannabis business since the mid-2000s, but you would not be able to see that at face value. She's a rapidly rising star as a legal advisor and a fighter for cannabis freedom. So I'm here talking with the Special Counsel for Legal Cannabis and Hemp Law, corporate regulatory litigation for the law office of Tannenbaum Trust and Burke LLC based in the great state of Texas and I'm here with Lisa L. Pittman. Lisa thanks for joining us here on Blunt Business. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So on LinkedIn you said that your interest in cannabis stems from the plant's ability to provide quality of life to children and adults with devastating conditions. Now what do you think what it was that compelled you to step away from commercial business, trial and appellate cases, and work in the cannabis sector?
2: Well, essentially, I and and what excuse me, unwittingly found a way to merge my passions with my profession of being an attorney, and I, I I kind of fell into it. Um, uh, as a teenager, I volunteered at Texas Children's Hospital for Criminally ill children, and I. Uh, began some long-term relationships with the children who had cystic fibrosis. And that just kind of started a passion in me for children with, um, with these um, conditions that are devastating. And, uh, you know, fast forward and I go to law school and I end up on kind of the, the hamster wheel of law practice. And for 15 years, I was doing commercial business litigation, which is you know basically just the reallocation of loss. Uh, change the names and dates, same story, different day, you know, after a while.
1: So we will talk more about the Compassionate Use Act and so much more about the issues regarding Texas and cannabis and hemp regulations. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but I want to talk about from a national front, Uh, the hurdles that the cannabis industry has been tackling legally. So- Recently, the House Financial Services Committee approved an updated version of the Safe Banking Act, which provides guidance to financial institutions that are willing to work with legal cannabis businesses. And me, I'm always on this show, always like to give out context before I ask you something, especially the experts out here like yourself. Forbes.com reported this about the act. Quote, this is a benchmark achievement for the legal cannabis industry as it reaches further in the legislative process than ever before. However, this vote is not guaranteed to bring the Safe Baking Act to fruition. Additional lobbying efforts continue while the legislation returns to the House Judiciary Committee for further consideration. End quote. You've been monitoring this banking bill for years, I know. And so talk to me about the progress about this bill so far. And do you think it's going to become law after all said and done?
2: I think there's a lot of traction and momentum and that it will probably pass the House for a vote. It's still got to go through a few committees uh, before it even reaches the House for a vote. The Senate might be a stumbling block, but I hope that eventually that this will pass and provide some... um, Ability for cannabis businesses to bank. So currently, FDIC-insured banks cannot bank cannabis businesses because of various acts, one, one being the Bank Secrecy Act, one being um, the RICO Act, racketeering, money laundering. So because cannabis is still a Schedule I substance, it's federally illegal, so for a business to be taking deposits into its financial institution is a really high risk to to the institution itself, and there are a lot of compliance requirements that go along with, with banking a cannabis business, and so that's where a lot of cannabis businesses and hemp businesses find themselves shut out and are only able to get banking through state chartered banks or credit unions, and only about three uh, percent of banking institutions bank uh, cannabis businesses right now.
1: Yeah, I know there's some things where we've talked extensively here on Blunt Misses about uh, credit unions, some of those are getting themselves involved, and there's other ways and forms, but obviously we are all clamoring for the Safe Banking Act to go to passage and become law, and I know, like you said, obstacles are just in the way, but there's so really, it will be the difference that will be such a major impact, the earthquake of an impact once this does become law. To really, I mean, it would just be about one big stepping stone away from legalization at some point altogether, I would imagine. So, the other thing we talked about as well here on the show has been the Hemp Farming Act of 2018, the Hemp Bill passed by Congress to remove. For, Hemp from Schedule One controlled substances and making it an ordinary agricultural commodity. Now, before the passage of the bill, it was illegal to mail hemp, CBD products, and many seizures have been made. Now, the U.S. Postal Service recently has issued criteria for mailing hemp, CBD products, and states postal workers need to be aware of this farm bill and what they're doing with those packages. So. Companies should still be fearful of seizures based on suspicion of cannabis, and this awareness does not happen overnight, obviously. Same thing with, you know, the rules of decriminalization. Cops don't know the rules about it yet, so they'll still go fill out the paperwork and a lot of untangled things that we have to deal with. Fill us in on this issue. This is something I knew I hadn't heard about.
2: Sure. On March 4th, the U.S. Postal Service issued an advisory to its uh, department and its workers stating that postal workers should be aware that now under the farm bill that hemp CBD products are permitted to be mailed. However, they do um, want certain criteria for people mailing uh, hemp through the mail to be fulfilled, including a certified statement that the hemp Comes from a licensed producer and is in fact industrial hemp, and that it contains less than 0.3% of THC on a dry weight basis. Uh, because it is a, a quite a problem, uh, there have and there will continue to be seizures for a while because of the suspicion of it being marijuana, and there you know there being confusion about whether it's marijuana or hemp.
1: So we're here with Lisa L. Pittman, Special Counsel, Legal Cannabis and Hemp for the. Law Offices of Tannenbaum, Trost, and Burke, LLC. We'll be back with more with Lisa and this wonderful conversation. We're going to go going to direct ourselves into the conversation about cannabis and hemp and the regulations that are surrounding in the state of Texas because we haven't had a chance to talk about it here on the program. I'm sure a lot of you will get to really look forward to the information we're going to provide here on the show. Any expertise here with Lisa here on the show? And we'll be back with her in just a moment. But first, I must preface and talk about the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. That's our wonderful sponsor on blunt Business. It's where you have the right to educate, engage, and empower the evolution of the cannabis industry. So be one of the many thousands of industry industry professionals. Maybe I count myself as one. August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida, for the return of the United States Cannabis Conference and Expo. You can learn more at usccexpo.com usccexpo.com it's August 34th inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami again usccexpo.com get your registration set together and get your passes ready and make sure to get aboard a plane and join us in Miami Florida it'll be a great time of year we have wonderful events planned out loads of sessions of tracks and we will make sure that you are well informed and well educated so we hope to see you there be back more with Lisa Pittman here on Blood Business in just a moment rolling into some sponsors but we'll be right back with more blunt business cannabis industry professionals want to gain some new leads make genuine business connections and get premier brand exposure this is your opportunity ncia's new industry socials are coming soon to portland maine new jersey pittsburgh baltimore and miami sponsorship opportunities available register today
0: should be no crime. Hemp ink is even hot-proofed by the man who run high times. Oh, yeah. Get it on Android and I and iOS today. Marijuana llama out. Got to tend to me on Crap Channel. You know. Money don't make itself. Hemp Inc.
1: Now available for pre-order through crowdfunding for just $14 plus $10 shipping. Pouches, premium mixing and rolling pouches allow you to carry and prepare your herbs for consumption with discretion and ease. These stylish pouches are handcrafted using strong zips, long-wearing buffalo leather outside, and smooth, cheap skin inside. A portion of proceeds go to fund vital medical research into cannabis for ADHD. See a demo and get yours now on Indiegogo or Pouches.com. That's P-O-U-C-H-Z.com.
0: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com.
1: And we're here with legal counsel, from the state of Texas, Lisa Pittman here on Blunt Business. Lisa, let's go and talk about the issues surrounding Texas where you are based when it comes to cannabis and hemp. So let me update our listeners and give some context here about what we know now about the r- rules and regulations regarding cannabis and hemp in the state of Texas. Now, because they can be said to be confusing and murky. So cannabis and hemp are two v- different varieties of the cannabis plant, unlike marijuana. Uh, hemp has low levels of THC, and um, in fact, only a small number of Texans can legally buy cannabis products with any THC. The state's Compassionate Use Program, which you had already prefaced before, was established in 2015, allowing patients with intractable epilepsy and two doctors' prescriptions to buy cannabis-based medicine with up to 5% or 0.5% of THC. Three companies have the licenses to grow this produce and sell the low-THC medication. I know the same idea here in Florida was the idea of Charlotte's Web. That kind of uh, same idea was in play until medical came into play. So now, for everyone else, cannabis and hemp products with THC have been illegal for years. Growing the hemp plant here also remains off-limits. The only legal hemp products that are those grown elsewhere that contain no THC, such as sterilized seeds, added to smoothies, fiber from the plant stocks, for industrial construction projects, or oil for cooking or topical use. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. So now, Lisa, the state of Texas <laughs> will soon remove hemp from its list of controlled substances. The Dallas Morning News reported that they actually asked you for comment, and you actually mention quote, it doesn't make hemp legal. There does need to be a legislative change for the criminal penalties, end quote. So please tell our listeners what you've been hearing about all this.
2: Sure, and this is a very timely uh Interview because it's today that it takes effect that the Department of State Health Services in Texas has removed hemp from the definition of marijuana in accordance with the US Farm Bill, which did the same thing. So, what that means is that hemp products containing 0.3% or less THC can be bought and sold in Texas. However, uh, that doesn't mean that we can grow hemp yet. Texas is still very hostile. To marijuana and to hemp, and they confused the two. And so there are still there's there's been a recent flurry of seizures made at various shops um, uh, from CBD oil products, and they invariably are returned because they come back, and charges are dropped with you know less than 0.3% THC. So. Um,
1: well, now, legal experts, now that, that you've told us, thank you so much for letting us know about information. i pulled research before, and I know it was still th- – that that hadn't been completely completed, but now that you have told us, I'm glad to know that I, that's uh, confirmed, and uh, we can have that detail now out there. So now, one thing I've heard is that there are legal experts saying that declassifying hemp doesn't clear up the legality of hemp products currently sold in Texas, such as pain creams and oils. And advocates say this is a progressive step that highlights the validity of those products. So now um, – What's the impact that this can make, even though we might still have certain issues where hemp hemp might still have certain parameters that still are in place where it's not fully able to be produced, harvested, or sold to market?
2: Right. Well, we can't grow hemp in Texas yet unless we get a law passed at the end of our legislative session. It ends in May, and we only get new laws through the legislature, which meets every two years. So the hemp bills that are pending contain further amendments to the Controlled Substances Act, and there's also another bill pending for the decriminalization of minor amounts of marijuana possession. And so further amendments need to be made because there's a penal code that contains punishments for containing these products and that also need to be amended in addition to that great first step that was made effective today to allow for uh, hemp products to be on the shelves.
1: Very important first step. Now, speaking of the legislation, there are nine bills <clears throat> that I'm seeing that's been circulating right now in the legislature concerning cannabis and hemp circulating in the Texas House. Six of those bills are focused on reducing penalties associated with cannabis-related crimes. Now, uh, we got a quote here from State Representative Cheryl Cole, represents parts of Austin, Texas. She's one of the authors of one of those bills. She said, it and others are baby steps towards possible statewide legalization. She said, quote, A vast majority of Texans agree that our marijuana laws are too harsh, and a majority even believe that marijuana should be legalized. So, could Texas see legalization on the horizon, you think, Lisa? At least medical marijuana?
2: Um, I'm not sure if we will get much expansion this session. It, it might be next session. We're getting more and more traction and momentum. Each session. But the opponents to the decriminalization bills, I mean, one of the things that they comment on is, oh, this just opens it up to legalization. And that's kind of the same attitude they have toward medical cannabis. They say, oh, well, that's just a setup for full legalization in the future. And we're not having that. Texas has some of the harshest penalties for marijuana possession in the country. And they've just got their boot heels dug in on it. And I'm speaking of the politicians because the public has come around and is becoming more aware of, you know, the lack of harm of the substance and the you know, the ruin that it causes to people on their criminal records to get arrested for just a, a tiny little amount. And, you know, that it's so, so things are coming around, but, but slowly in Texas, you know, we're, we're our own country and we do things our own way. Totally. Um, <laughs> yep.
1: No, but I appreciate that. And I mean, you know, I, I can almost, I can justify the idea that, uh, you know, if Texas might be the last state in the country that might actually wait until, if there's even, maybe wait until even federal legalization becomes a thing, that's maybe when they'll finally have to concede and say, okay, we're going to accept this because the the voters have chosen this. And, but I also understand that maybe part of the thing might be that, well, they're going to have to find out, it's an inevitability anyway, but I would imagine that If everything is going on right now within the other states where they are doing a lot of work when it comes to regulations, when it comes to quality control, testing, so many different parameters being done that by the time Texas gets around to medical cannabis and maybe someday adult use, then the rules, regulations, the testing, the kind of standards that will be put together will be so high and so aggressive that I think by that point, it'll not be hard for this to be put on the ballot and be passed into law.
2: Sure. Well, we don't have ballot initiatives in Texas. It's okay. got to come through the legislature. And okay. so that's, that's part of the holdup and why it's taking so long. So there was a lot of traction in the 2017 session. There was a House Bill 2107 for a full medical marijuana bill. And it, it gained, uh, I think, 78 co-sponsors by the end of its public health hearing. And um, had it proceeded to a vote on the House floor, it would have passed. However, it probably would not have passed the Senate. And uh, the lieutenant governor and the governor of Texas are staunchly opposed to any form of medical marijuana in Texas. And so that's part of the holdup. It's a lot of uh, politics.
1: So now we've heard from law enforcement groups. Several state law enforcement groups have decried pending legislation to loosen marijuana laws since the beginning of a slippery slope into full legalization of the drug. So one official stating that, quote, it's a calculated and systematic approach by a minority of our population who use marijuana and or stand to gain from marijuana production, end quote. These groups predict that legalization would bring increased crime, entice a dangerous black market, and lead to increased use of other more addictive drugs. And criminal penalties currently now in the state of Texas are for small amounts of cannabis are punishable by up to six months in jail. So now you've been in Texas... Practicing law for well over a decade, now we also know that the first step act has been put into law. And it's federal uh, law now. It's been passed. It's been signed. So with all this going on here and these issues with, let's say, Texas and the really strict regulations when it comes to cannabis or any possession at all, if you had to go and cross, if you had to go and cross-examine one of these law enforcement officials, and you had potentially a client you had to represent, how would you cross-examine on one of these claims to be able to get? this person that might have had a little bit of this, a little bit of possession without distribution be let go.
2: Well, a lot of these, so the major metropolitan cities of Texas have site and release programs now. So um, Houston, Dallas, San Antonio, and El Paso, all in Austin, all all have them. So it's really more in the rural counties where uh, this is an issue, but in the major metropolitan areas, you know, you might get arrested, but a prosecutor is not going to press charges and take that before a jury because they know that a jury is not going to put someone away for a joint and they're not going to press charges against someone unless they think they're going to win. So uh, that's it's there's a difference between, you know, the reality and then um, what the law actually is. And it, Texas is huge and it's very regional and it depends on where you are. So there are some law enforcement officials that are strong opponents to this. They still have the past reefer madness mentality about it. Um, And then others um, are more progressive. And, um, for example, the police chief of Austin, formerly is now the police chief of Houston. And he was one of the first ones to institute a site and release and, and to focus law enforcement efforts on violent crime and on, you know, real situations instead of having to fill out a bunch of paperwork and send someone to jail and and increase so much tax money on these minor little marijuana possession cases. So some uh, sheriff's um, offices and, and, and DAs are taking matters into their own hands in a positive manner. Um, and then some are are on the opposite manner. In Tarrant County, for example, which is near in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, uh, their um, DA has taken a real hardline approach, saying we're gonna we're gonna enforce the law as it is. So it kind of depends on where you where you are as to uh, how it will be handled and whether you'll be prosecuted or not.
1: It's amazing about the amount of bills that are out there. I'm looking from a article from marijuana moment.com or marijuana moment.net excuse me and i'm looking at some of the bills that have been put up for passage and i'm seeing there's what there's uh hb 371 possession of one ounce or less of cannabis will be a classy misdemeanor another one will have it for 0.35 ounces or 10 grams would be a misdemeanor, and then also a constitutional amendment being proposed that would authorize the possession cultivation and sale of marijuana for personal use from what you're hearing uh And in your own expert opinion, do you think any of these bills have a chance of making it forward? So at least if there's not going to be any particular passage of medical cannabis down the line, obviously, they're trying to slowly take away some of the aggressive issues behind it. So it makes it a little bit easier to say, okay, if you are possessing and if you are using it for certain reasons, we're trying to make a little bit easy for you without having to do no more than paying a fine.
2: Yes, I think that House Bill 63, authored by Joe Moody out of El Paso, which has been put forward several times in previous sessions, that one has been voted out of the Criminal Jurisprudence Committee, which means that one is headed toward the House floor for a vote. That one has a lot of traction and momentum, and that bill converts it from a criminal fine to a civil civil, uh, I mean, a criminal penalty to a civil fine. And what the governor has said is that he's not too comfortable with just converting this over to a civil matter and not having any criminal repercussions at all. So we're still kind of dealing with those tensions. But that House Bill 63 has great traction, and uh, they're very optimistic that it's going to make a lot of headway, and we're hopeful that that one will pass.
1: We're hoping so too. So next, I want to go and go another break. We have to go and take care of our sponsors real quick, but I want to go ahead and talk about something that you are definitely passionate about. That it's not just law practices you're practicing, but you're also doing some wonderful things um, in terms of the healthcare community. And I, I really love what you're doing with this. We're going to talk about that. So stick around, folks. More with Lisa Pittman here on Blunt Business in just a moment. Rolling into some sponsors, but we'll be right back with
0: more Blunt Business.
1: 2000- garden centers throughout North America and ask for the original fabric container. Find a store near you or order yours online at smartpots.com.
0: Educate, empower, and engage in the evolution of the cannabis industry. Join thousands of industry professionals on August 3rd and 4th in Miami, Florida for the return of the U.S. Cannabis Conference and Expo. Register for an early bird discount now at usccexpo.com. That's usccexpo.com.
1: I hope you didn't forget about us, because we're back with Blunt Business on CannabisRadio.com. We're back with final questions with Lisa Pimman. She's special counsel for legal cannabis and hemp law for the firm of Tannenbaum Trust Burke LLC. Lisa, I really, really thank you so much for answering all these questions for us and giving some perspective on the state of Texas. It's amazing. There's just so much going on. And I obviously, I could have asked more questions about what's going on, because, again, even just looking just this past Monday, as we record on April 5th, I know that there were, what, 11 bills that were actually discussed within the state, the Texas legislature. It's just so much going on, but we're just having a wait and see approach on all this to see what will happen And there's a lot of road left to go when it comes to cannabis in Texas and possible legalization down that front. So now, aside from your legal practice, I read about an amazing entrepreneurial venture you founded called the Well Woman Group. And it's described as an alternative healthcare community run by women, for women, providing a fresh approach to going to the doctor. So I know you're passionate about this project. Please tell our listeners about Well Woman Group and this concept that you're implementing.
2: Yeah, I wanted to provide a place. Um, I'm based out of Austin, which is a gateway to the Hill Country, and I wanted to provide a place where women could come and become educated about alternative uh, plant-based therapies, nutrition, counseling—a kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of different. Um, ed- medical advice that's thats not what you're going to get from your Western MD because they're actually in Texas their hands are tied, they can't talk about anything that's not FDA approved and so with cannabis in particular, with that being restricted in Texas, I wanted to, and with knowing that so many parents are looking for solutions for their children that have various ailments that could be alleviated with the use of cannabis oil. I wanted to provide a place for them to come consult about it and learn about it and see if they could, you know, if this is something that they should pursue uh, either in another state or or what have you. And that's what led to me actually beginning to practice law in this area because I started to pursue that venture and I went out to Denver to learn more about what cannabis can do as a plant, what other ailments it can treat and assist with and uh, that's when I met with a law firm and kind of hit it off with them and started a dialogue and started doing some work and specifically um, for LSU and the rollout of its medical marijuana program and that, that began my education A to Z on marijuana and how to implement it and how to run it and so I I decided that for now perhaps I can best use my position as an attorney, kind of like I, I liken it to the days of Lincoln when lawyers stood up and used their position as attorneys to change the laws for the better. And so that's one of the things that I'm really working on pursuing in Texas is educating the legislators about Whole plant marijuana, the benefits that it has, as an attorney, as a woman, as a mother, in in a suit and pearls, and um, and and also uh, hemp too. I, I spent um, a week in, in educating the legislators on hemp too. And uh, the first question that I would get from a lot of them is, "Hemp? Well, isn't that just your stepping stone to marijuana?" Huh. So there's a lot of there's a lot of confusion there. There's, you know, we're we're in a little bubble where right. we understand the difference between hemp and marijuana and we, and CBD and full plant. But um, to to the everyday, you know, Texas legislator, this is very low on their radar. It's not even on their radar at all. And so a lot of education and awareness needs to take place. And that's what I wanted to do with the Well Women Group too. Is just provide something besides Google to come and get some real education and advice on some, you know, plant-based therapies, cannabis just being one of them, one of many.
1: That's wonderful. That's really fantastic. I, really, You have been a wealth of knowledge. You've been wonderful. I really do appreciate you being with us here on the show. And uh, please take a minute to talk to our listeners and let them know how they can connect with you and how they can also learn about the Wool Woman group as well.
2: Sure. Um, well, you can find me on LinkedIn, Lisa L. Pittman. And uh, my email at my law firm is lisa at ttb.legal. Um, so feel free to email me. And uh, I I am very passionate about this topic and moving the ball forward in Texas, um, especially with, with hemp right now seems to have the, the best prospects and, and can offer some relief to those who don't qualify under the Compassionate Use Act, which, which is you know 95% of the population does not qualify under that very, very limited law. Uh, so the, um, the effect of the removal of hemp from the definition of marijuana in Texas today is really a landmark in the ability for families to try out some at least some hemp-based CBD oils to see if, if those will help them
1: absolutely thank you for being able to contribute to the industry here with your expertise because i know within the cannabis industry there's a need for good lawyers and i know you're one of them and we really are grateful to have you especially in a state like like texas which is a wonderful state but hopefully they will see that the benefits of cannabis with hemp is really listen to their constituents and they realize you know what let's let this happen it's going to help people and you already know it's going to help people because that's what you're looking to do is help as well so Again, thank you so much for being with us here on Blunt Business.
2: Oh, well, thank you. I'm Again, I'm, I'm honored and privileged to be a part of the show. I appreciate it so much.
1: Of course, and I hope we get a chance to talk to you again very soon. Sounds great. Thank uh, you so much. So, again, Lisa L. Pittman with the law Office of Tannenbaum, Trust and Burke, based in Austin, Texas. Thank you again for joining us here on Blunt Business. And all of you, remember to join us and our wonderful sponsors, The United States Cannabis Conference and Expo, excuse me, is coming up August 3rd and 4th, Miami, Florida. You have a chance to go ahead and be a part, become an industry leader to an audience that will listen and engage. Hope you will join us. Take the wonderful opportunity to position you and your company with this wonderful show among thousands of attendees. Leave a lasting impression and invest in your future. Join us for the USCC Expo in Miami, Florida, August 34th, inside the Hyatt Regency in downtown Miami. You can get your passes now at usccexpo.com. That's USC, usccexpo.com. With that said, thanks for joining us here on Plump Business. You could download episodes of the show by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show. And make sure to leave a rate and review for us. Let us know you love the show through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Spreaker, and iHeartRadio. Thanks for listening. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited.